Hi, I'm Sam, and I'd like to welcome Lowell Levinger, commonly known by his nickname Banana. Lowell was a guitarist for the Youngbloods and currently plays many cool instruments today. The Youngbloods are known for their hit song, Get Together. Welcome, Lowell. How are you today? Good. All right. So how'd you join the Youngbloods? I had uh, dropped out of Boston University in 1962 and got plopped right in the middle of a folk scare in Cambridge, Massachusetts, where the folk scene was kind of born. And I played a whole bunch of stuff with a whole bunch of people and eventually started this little rock and roll band called The Trolls. And... Uh, we were playing clubs and whatnot in Cambridge and Boston. And um, my friend Jerry Corbett showed up one night, woke me up at about two in the morning and said, Banana, you got to come to New York and join our band. Um, it's really cool. We got a we got an agent. It's with Jesse. Jerry and Jesse were pretty good friends. And I knew Jesse because he came through Cambridge and played the coffee houses with his guitar accompanying himself singing his uh, songs that he had written and other folk songs and stuff. Uh, anyway, so he says, you got to come join our band and uh, we want you to play electric piano. And I said, well, that's cool. I've always wanted to play electric piano ever since I heard what I say by Ray Charles, but I don't have one. And Corbett said, that's okay. I've talked to Briggs. That's uh, Bill Briggs from Barry and the Remains. He's selling his. He's going to buy a Farfisa organ. Ugh. Anyway, he's selling his Wurlitzer piano. And like I say, the trolls were going nowhere slowly. And uh, so I said, what the hell? I bought Briggs' piano. I went to New York. I slept on Jesse's floor. I uh, hooked up with them there. For, they had this gig. Oh, yeah, that was the other big enticement. We've got this two-week gig at Gertie's Folk City, which is really cool. Okay. So I get to Gertie's Folk City, and it's uh, they, they've gotten Joe Bauer, who lived downstairs from us in Cambridge, to be in their folk rock band. And also this guy, Jim Mares, who's a sort of a parlor guitar player. They've gotten him to play bass. They told him it was easy. It's just the bottom four strings of a guitar. And they got him a bass. So there's four of them. The stage at Gertie's Folk City is teeny, barely fits them. And I show up with my uh, Wurlitzer electric piano and my guitar and my super reverb amp, which blows their minds. They're playing through these little bogan whatever kit amplifiers. Terrible. Uh, so they decide, okay, well, we're going to run all the voices through your keyboard amp. And also, you know, you're going to play your keyboard through it. And I said, well, you know, there's no room for me on the stage. They said, that's cool. They're, you know, just set up on the table in the booth right next to the stage. Put your piano on that, you know, don't use the legs. Just put the piano right on the table and that'll be cool. So that was my first gig with them. They were calling themselves Jesse Colin Young and the Jerry Corbett Three. I would have made it four. Uh, and we had some meetings uh, and agreed to change the name to the Youngbloods after a few weeks um so that's how i joined the young Bloods. all right and was the name the young bloods after i mean your member's last name or i guess because it was your Jesse's last name happened to be young and the flip side of the hit record by the coaster is searching is young blood oh which in my opinion is maybe should have been the a side <laughs> if you've never heard it Judging from your looks of your youth, you never have. I have not. Right. Yeah. So it's on YouTube, I'm sure. Maybe you've never even heard Searching, for all I know. Mm -hmm. 
Um, uh, but this is the history of rock and roll, and it would be great if people like you delved into it and uh, saw the the magnificence of the roots of all of this that these uh, folks today, jam bands and whatnot, yeah, for sure, meekly imitate to to no avail. Uh, anyway, yeah, Searching was this really cool record by the Coasters. Flipside was Young Blood, and uh, that was one of the main reasons I thought the name was real cool. And then Jesse's last name was Young, so, you know, that was easy to get him to go along with. And there we have it, the Youngbloods. Yeah, I mean, it's a cool name. I, I certainly think yeah, so, at I least. it's a pretty cool name, too. It has all kinds of connotations. Yeah, yeah. So you mentioned before you play piano, and I've seen on on your YouTube, you've got all sorts of cool instruments. What is your favorite instrument to play? Well, for all my gigs now, I just finished doing 15 gigs in a month in Italy, just this last month, middle of October to the middle of November. And I brought, I play a five-string tenor guitar. That's my main axe. So I guess I'd have to say that's my favorite instrument to play. It's similar to a tenor guitar. You want to get technical? Sure. Okay, so a tenor guitar is a four-string guitar, not six-string and it has a shorter scale length. It has a 23-inch scale length, whereas a normal guitar will have anywhere from 24 and three-quarters to 26, maybe, for some of the older cool ones. And it's tuned in fifths, like a, a violin or a viola or a mandolin or a mandola or whatnot. It's tuned like a mandola or a viola, C-G-D-A, from the bottom up. So uh, my buddy David Grisman introduced me to the tenor guitar about 20 years ago or 25 years ago, and I fell in love with it and learned to play it. And then maybe a few years after that, uh, what, 15 years ago now? But time flies, you know, when you get to be this age. Anyway, uh, anyway, I decided maybe I'd like to be a folk singer when I grow up. And uh, that means going out on your own solo and accompanying yourself with a guitar. But here I am in love with the tenor guitar kind of almost ready to abandon the six-string guitar, which is tuned in fourths with this one-third right in the middle that works, you know. Anyway, so I said, well, what if I, oh, and the canon of all folk music and bluegrass music and country music and blues, it's all written in G and A and a lot in E and D and whatnot. Anyway, with the tenor guitar, your lowest note being C, and you want to accompany yourself singing songs, the way you probably want to accompany yourself is by going boom, chick, boom, chick, boom, chick, the boom being the root tonic of the whatever chord is appropriate, the chick being the rest of the chord. Well, if you want to play in G on a tenor guitar, you, there, you can't get the root tonic as your low note. The fifth is your lowest note, D. God forbid you want to play an A, your lowest note is a major third, C sharp, whoa. Anyway, so why not just take another fifth down and add an F below the C? So now you've got F, C, G, D, A. All your forms are the same. Nothing changes. It's all fifths. And you now have access to the root tonic in the keys of G and A and V flat and B. And so you can play in all those keys and go boom, chick, boom, chick. So I decided to try that. I started out by taking perfectly good tenor guitars and throwing the necks away and having new necks put on them. And I also have very small hands, tiny little fingers. Uh, so a shorter scale length was a, seemed to me to be a good idea. And I had these necks made with a 21-inch scale length instead of 23. And I tried it on a whole bunch of guitars, and it worked pretty good. And uh, then finally... After buying an octave mandolin from Corrado Giacomel in Genova, Italy, and converting it by throw, not using three of the skin, strings, 
and putting on a new nut and a new saddle on the bridge, it has a 21-inch scale length. I converted it to a five-string tenor guitar quite easily. And I was playing in, in Italy on a tour one time with, at a gig where Corrado was. And um, I said, hey, Corrado, uh, I know this is designed to be an instrument that supports four double courses of strings, pretty heavy gauge. So it's fairly heavily braced. And I'm only using single course strings with my five string tenor guitar. And I bet if you shaved the braces a little and maybe re-graduated the top some, that I would get more dynamic range and better low end and more projection and whatnot. And he said, oh, banana, that's a really stupid idea. Well, you want a five string tenor guitar? I'll make you one. You know, you got, this is a perfectly good octave mandolin. I said, okay. So he made me one and that was the first instrument that had been made on purpose to be a five-string tenor guitar. And that's my main axe. And so that's the favorite instrument that I like. Yeah, well, I mean, the tenor guitar is certainly a cool instrument. I myself, I play guitar and viola. So the, I guess, go. yeah, the two yeah. tunings kind of mix. It, it's very yeah, cool. That viola has that sonorous sound on the low string, especially when you do double stops with the low string and the third string, uh, which is hard to beat, you know, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I certainly enjoy it. It's a pretty fun instrument. Yeah, great. So the Youngbloods are known for your song, Get Together. What other Youngblood songs do you like? Oh, well, there's quite a few. I did my most recent CD, which is now five years old. Uh, it's called Get Together, Banana Remembers Youngblood's Classics. It's available at my website. And it's probably available. Yeah, it's available all over the place. Uh, anyway, it has a bunch of Youngblood songs on it. But I guess maybe my second favorite would be Darkness, Darkness, which Jesse wrote, which is just an amazing song. And I love doing it. And people like it a lot. Grizzly Bear uh, is, is a great one. That was our first hit record. It was not a big, huge hit like Get Together, but it was number one in Dayton, Ohio. Uh, and uh, Sugar Babe is a great one. Yeah, there's bunches of them. And then the, the stuff from the first album is really cool stuff, too. It's not stuff that I can really sing solo, get into. Uh, but they're great songs. And, uh, Jesse wrote a lot of them. Jerry and Jesse wrote some together. Uh, yeah, Stephen, my boss, Stephen Van Zandt, thinks that's a landmark, very important album. <laughs> so Stephen Van Zandt's your boss. Yeah, the best gig I ever had was 2016 through 2019, touring with Little Steven and the Disciples of Soul as the piano player. Oh, that must have been a lot of fun. Oh, it was incredible. It's 15-piece soul band with the best musicians handpicked, of New York handpicked, and me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was uh, utterly amazing, and he's the most amazing person I've ever worked with. Best gig I've ever had in my life. Coolest boss I've ever worked with. Most creative person I've ever known. Uh, yeah, totally amazing gig. Yeah, that sounds fun. I mean, you've mentioned you've done some live gigs. What are your, some of your favorite live gigs you've done? Uh, well, uh, you know, all, all of them with that huge band, with the horn section and the girl singers and everything are, have to be ranked among my favorites. Um, there was one in London where Paul McCartney showed up and did a song with us that is maybe one of the absolute high points of my life. Uh, that's on YouTube, too. Yeah. I saw her standing there and, oh. and, and Stephen realized that uh, the horn part to Lucille by Little Richard would go perfectly with I saw her standing there and the band worked up that arrangement in the morning and uh, Paul was coming to the gig but it was not you know there was no mention of him playing and Stephen said you know don't feel like you need to 
do anything. Just come enjoy yourself, you know. And uh, but meanwhile, we worked up a killer arrangement of uh, I saw her standing there using the horn part for Lucille. And uh, and meanwhile, Stephen's guitar tech went out and scoured London and found a left-handed Hofner bass and a left-handed Les Paul and brought them back to the gig and set them up perfectly. Wow. So uh, the gig's going on. This is what's where, what's the name of the place in London? I wish I could remember it off the top of my head, but it, you can Google it and YouTube it and whatnot. It's it's right there. Uh, the Roundhouse, I think it's called. Uh, anyway, so Paul's up sitting with Maureen, Stephen's wife, up in the balcony. And about two-thirds of the way through the show, he says to Maureen, hey, you think it'd be okay if I sat in for a number? Maureen calls backstage and said he's going to do it. Steve, uh, uh, wasn't it? Stephen's guitar tech gets the, gets everything all, all ready. And for the encore, he's backstage and uh, he's come with, you know, we've been notified. So uh, I wish I could remember the guitar tech's name. He's a great guy. Anyway, he says, what do you want? You know, you want the bass and the guitar. And Paul says, well, Jack's doing a great job on bass. I don't need to need the bass. Uh, I'll play the guitar. And he comes out on stage with this guitar that he's never played before in his life. And it's, you know, FM wired to some amp that he's never played before either. And uh, he just strums one chord. This is okay. Start the song. It's perfect. He and Steven sing it together. He plays the solo. Uh, then when it's over, he's coming off stage and he has to walk right by my piano. And he looks right at me and he gives me the nod and the high sign. And I went to heaven, you know. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, getting getting the approval from Paul McCartney is certainly <laughs> quite an achievement. <laughs> yeah, are you a huge Beatles fan yourself? Oh yeah, when they when they came out, I was I was right away uh, in enhanced and enraptured. And I think you know, what, in my opinion, the Youngblood's best album is Elephant Mountain, and and it's a uh, it's got great songs on it, but it's also a uh, a really fine example of good production that Joe Bauer and I produced. Uh, Charlie Daniels also was there and quote produced it, but Joe and I actually produced it. And uh, I don't think we would have done it like that with that much orchestration and that much just effects and all the cool stuff that's on there if it wasn't for Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Heart Club Band. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. But it's a great album and it makes yeah. sense that it's inspired not only your album, but like lots of albums out there. Yeah, you know? They kind of gave you permission. Oh, look, th this shit can actually, people will actually buy this shit that's actually <laughs> really kind of creative and weird, but actually sounds good and you can tap your foot to it. And uh, so, yeah, it, it kind of gave you permission to uh, screw around. So what kind of music do you listen to today? You know, I don't listen to a lot of music. People give me CDs and I listen to them. And uh, But mostly, you know, I, I always have music in my head. I've always had a song. In fact, I remember when I went to first day of kindergarten and I started making friends and I would ask one of my new buddies, hey, what song is playing right now for you? And they had no idea what I was talking about. I was five, six years old, right? Five or six years old. And I'd always, ever since I could remember some song, you know, we had my I, my parents had all the Broadway shows and I was into Gilbert and Sullivan and bebop and street singing and all this stuff and from, from a very young age. Anyway, so I always had a song, some song, and it rotated. It's kind of like a jukebox in your head. There's always some tune or maybe even two going on. And I would ask, my friends, what 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 are you listening? You know, what's going for you right now? 
And they said, what do you mean? I don't know what you're talking about. And I couldn't believe it. I just thought, I had always thought this was the normal human state of affairs. Everybody has music playing in their head all the time. Well, evidently not. But so I listen to that and then a tune will come into my head that I haven't heard in a million years. And I think, oh, wow, you know what? I could do that tune. And then I go find it and I listen to it a bunch and then I practice it and I listen to that a bunch. And then I record it a few times on the phone and I listen to that and think of a bass line and blah, blah, blah. So that's more of what I'm listening to than listening to the radio or uh, whatnot. But I listen when I'm in the car, I listen to Little Stevens Underground Garage. It's cool. <laughs> yeah, well, that like the music always playing in your head, that must be, I guess, both a blessing and a curse. Like sometimes it must help pass time, but at the same time, it could get annoying, right? Well, sometimes you have to get consciously get rid of whatever the tune is by consciously humming something else to pop the one that's in your head that you're tired of uh, out. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's it's funny. I mean, music's quite a great thing, you know, as is shown by your career and uh, just in general, like music's music's pretty great. I, I'm a fan of it, at least. Yeah. And the uh, you know, all those songs, when I happened to grow up in the most creative musical period that there has been, I think, which I was born in 44. And so when I was a toddler and a little kid, really creative stuff was going on. And I didn't get hip to it until I was 12, 10 or 12 or something. But um, yeah, all through that period, all the all the innovative jazz, all the innovative bluegrass, all innovative blues, the birth of rock and roll, all that stuff was all happening. All the people from the all the blues musicians from the South moving to Chicago and all that stuff was all happening in the late 40s and early 50s. And I kind of got to witness it. And those songs that, you know, the kind of simplicity of those early rock and roll songs kind of formed my uh, life view. <laughs> I've kind of lived by those songs. And, and like, uh, you know, B.B. King uh, has his, his ultimate simple description of the blues, which he says is complicated feelings expressed in simple terms. Yeah, and that makes sense. There you go. And you can, you know, generalize and try to live your life uh according to that stuff but then the, and then it's all these legends that in, inform your life too all these stories these songs that tell all these great stories that many of them could be made into movies uh even even more modern ones the, the one of the songs i do in my repertoire that i wish somebody would make into a movie is the uh, 1952 vincent black lightning by richard thompson you know that song i haven't heard it <laughs> it's on one of my cds uh, uh and it's, it's on YouTube. If you go to my YouTube channel, it's one of the videos there. Yeah, and it could be a full-length feature film fleshed out, you know, with all the scenes, you know, elaborated on. Great story. I really like songs that tell stories. Yeah, they're really interesting, like especially those longer songs that really, you know, like a good example. I don't know if this is one you're into, but the Alice's Restaurant, you know, the, the Arlo Guthrie song, 22 minutes or whatever it is, but mm -hmm. certainly tells a story, that one for sure <laughs> yeah so what are some of your all-time favorite songs that's really hard i mean there's so many um, yeah it's like choosing your favorite child right yeah that's like what's your favorite region in italy um uh, but i i put together i got a, a a band that i'm trying to put together that's going to be a uh, bass drums telecaster and me on my five-string tenor guitar and we may have an actual gig coming up and I could read you the set list, which is comprised of a bunch of my favorite songs. All right. Blue Driver by Michael Hurley. 
The Cuckoo, which is an old 1800 song, Down Along the Cove by Bob Dylan, Stagger Leaves, an old folk song, Bound to Lose, a Holy Modal Rounders song, Walking Blues, Robert Johnson song, Married to the Blues, a song written by my buddy Joe New, The Things I Used to Do, is that guitar slim or something like that? Uh, Hide Your Love Away, Beatles, Where Do I Go From Here, Robert Cray, Going Back to New York City, written by my friend Michael Barkley, Willie and the Hand Jive, Until You Come Back Home Again, written by my old partner, Jesse Colin Young. Rocks Into Sand, written by uh, Bill Kirchen. Just Can't Quit the Blues, written by me. Corina Corina, old folk song. Darkness Darkness, written by Jesse. Hello Josephine, Fats Domino. If You Got to Make a Fool of Somebody, James Ray from 1958. Riding with the King, John Hyatt. Get Together, and then uh, We Shall Overcome for an encore and Nobody Looks Up, which I wrote recently. Well, that sounds like a great show. I I certainly love quite a few of those songs, like the Robert Johnson, Bob Dylan, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And all those songs are just, they, they're pretty great, the ones I've heard. So, uh, yeah, they're some of my favorites. But, you know, also, I, I love the uh, bluegrass canon, too. And I do some of it not trying to do it bluegrass style, unless I have a bluegrass band. But just the simple stuff like the East Virginia blues, which is the same old story of a kid, you know, who goes out roaming and falls in love and has his heart broken, but told really sweetly. Great song. Well, that's nice. And thank you so much for talking to me, Banana. This has been so cool. And I I love hearing your story, the music you like, hearing about your guitar. Like that's it's all so neat. I love I've loved hearing the stories behind the songs, you know. Yeah, well, like I said, I've got a YouTube channel. It's called uh, Lowell Levenger Banana from the Young Bloods, I think. Yeah. And uh, there's a whole bunch of songs on there. And then also a bunch of demos of a bunch of instruments. But there's a lot of good songs on there, too. Yeah, well, that sounds really nice. And thank you for talking to me. Also, I got to say, I love your hair. It looks so cool. <laughs> thank you so much. Ciao. Bye. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Lowell Levenger, who sometimes goes by his pretty cool nickname of Banana. If you like that interview, make sure to listen to my back pages on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, pretty much any podcast platform out there to listen to more great podcasts and interviews just like this one.